Ever wonder why I try? Breath fall shy, short, hellish mind Some that cling to truth and fail with time Kinda just wanna work it right Filthy like temptation bite Too busy trying to live Ain't got the mind where how I should give Survive? Hell yes I Are we checking? Are we doing any way you Are want Are we saying man. hellos? Do your thing Hello my friends Welcome to the Truth of Power This is your boy Ace Cannon I'm here with the illustrious Curious G. Hmm. Now, I, I did say something about having to say this each and every time, because I think even though we've said it in the earlier episodes, sometimes people start off with the new ones. True. Okay, so on this show, we're all about imperfectly human. These are just natural conversations. Profanity is going to be part of this thing because we believe in self-censorship, but not censorship with our language. Um, so if you're tuning in to Truth Power Podcast, we frame spiritual, political, and social topics through the lens of art. And today, we're framing something through the lens of a song called How That Feels. Mm. Mm. Now, How That Feels, what it kind of deals with is growing up in the wrong neighborhood, getting into crime, dealing with things like hunger, Dealing with the things that you might find in a red line neighborhood. You know what a red line neighborhood is? I would say it's the poor side of town. If I had to guess, if it had to do with debits and credits, the people that are in debt, <clears throat> um, that would be just my guess. So after the Great Depression, uh-huh. there was a program started by the government to give out uh, home loans. And it was actually written to the language by the banks um, to keep races in certain areas. Huh. There was a black part of town, there was a white part of town, right? Um, and a lot of times there was literally physical barriers. Like where I grew up in Daytona Beach, there was the wrong side of the tracks, right? You've heard the saying. That, yeah. That's a saying for a reason because there was a wrong side of the tracks and that was the red line areas. So they drew lines around districts when they gave out home loans and, and certain areas had contamination. Some areas had mild contamination. Some areas had no contamination at all. And, and this was actually worked into the language. Um, and at one point there was a, a pretty wealthy, educated black man that wanted to get a home loan in an area. And he discovered all this. He, he kind of looked wow. into all this stuff, but even after things were set right, a lot of the damage was done because there is generational poverty in these areas. Now, I actually grew up on the right side of the tracks, but really close to the wrong side of the tracks. <laughs> okay. And where I went to school was on the wrong side of the tracks. It was uh, on a street called South Street, Daytona Beach. And uh, we called it South Saigon. Okay. Because that's where the bodies were dropped. Yeah. Right? So this was back in the 70s, and that was Damn. the nickname it had. Now, even though I came from a family that didn't have that type of poverty because my mom was an alcoholic and a drug addict, we often were in those neighborhoods. And this is where I went to school, and this is where I hung out a lot, right? Um, and I dealt with a lot of the same problems that a lot of my friends in those schools uh, were dealing with because of my mom's addiction. So, um, you know, I am a white dude, but at the same time, this is where I, I came up. Um, my school, uh, we were selling um, uh, LSD in third grade. And um, they had the lick on temporary tattoos that you'd put on your skin. Shit had LSD in it. 
right? By the time I was in third grade, I was carrying a knife and, you know, it was shit, right? Wow. This, this, so this is a red line area. So yeah. this is kind of the, the little bit of the topic of conversation. Now, now here's one of the issues that we run into today, even though the, the laws have changed. Um, those neighborhoods right, are, are kind of set now with, like I said, generational poverty. But schools, they get their funding from the property values in those areas. So if you go to a school in a red line district, you are always having less of everything. Worse teachers because they're paid less, less supplies. You're not really getting an education that is equal to other places. And at one point they had the segregation stuff, right? where they realized with the Brown versus the, the school, um, you know, that, that uh, went to the Supreme Court, that there was an inequality between the black and white schools. So people started to get bust in, right? But Florida was one of the last states really to make a lot of changes. Um, we had separate water fountains almost to 1970, separate bathrooms, um, so where a lot of the other country, you know, rest of the country had made some <clears throat> changes earlier on. Um, but I was going to school just a few years after some of these changes were implemented, right? Yeah. And um, let's just say that um, when I got there, uh, I was a hot topic of conversation <laughs> because the school I went to was about 80% black. And I grew up in a pretty much white neighborhood. And the only black people I had seen up to that point was on Sesame Street. Interesting. Yeah. That's correct. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, and I tried some Sesame Street type shit when I got there. Hi. <laughs> yeah. Hi. How are you doing today? One of these things does not belong. Yeah. Remember that song? <laughs> mm, maybe that guy. Yeah. yeah. I mean, like, mm, just a guess. Yeah. So um, in this song, I kind of talk about some of that stuff, right? Um, I talk about what it's like to grow up in poverty and and me, I got involved with a lot of crime and things like that at a very young age. And for me, it was more about survival and stuff like that, just getting by any way I could. And I was about as innocent as my options allowed, right? Um, you know, age five years old, I was committing crimes. And, and that's, you know, that's, that's the reality of it. Um, by the time I got to be 18 years old as a senior in high school, I lived in a five-bedroom house out in the woods, right? I played in a band, and I lived with two girlfriends, and what we did was crack safes, you know? So when I got arrested as a senior in high school, um, I had 22 felony arrests at the age of 18 years old. Damn. Yeah. But when I had first started with all this, it was um, my mom and dad divorced when, when I was five, and um, my mom was a, a blackout alcoholic and sometimes would disappear for a few days and forget to come home. So sometimes I would be hungry. Her best friend had nine kids and um, they were into crime and stuff like that. So we had this thing called jealousy windows, right? They, they kind of fold down and you pulled them out very easily and they were in bathrooms so they could take out those pieces of glass and take one of us little kids and like grab us by the arms Put, put us through the window and lower yeah. us down. And we'd go around and unlock the front door and they'd kick me and the brother 20 bucks. And at one point I said, no, I don't want to do this shit. And we got choked out, forced and made, right? 
Um, and it was scary shit, to be honest with you. If you ever go into a house, not know if anybody's in there or if there's a dog in there. And I had to deal with some of those things at, at different points, right? So I, I came up that way. By the time I was seven, I was doing my own things, right? Um, and, but this is, this is in those poverty situations, drugs, right? Like my family wasn't that type of poor, but because of the drugs, I was exposed to some things, Right. And in this song, uh, how that feels, it's kind of about meeting our needs in extreme poverty. And it feels good when your belly's full and you don't think about who you hurt and you don't think about what you're doing. You know, when I got a little bit older, I started to think about that shit. You know, when my mom got sober, I was nine. I actually stopped doing things bad like that, probably around 11. Mm. And it was only because it didn't get better when my mom first got sober. It actually got a little bit worse. Um, but I started to do crime again when I was 17 because of some of the people that I was attracted to, you know, some of the bad motherfuckers, because I believed I was bad. And um, the, the, the first time that we kind of did some crime, um, I found out my friends were doing some shit and I wanted to get it organized. Right. And, and the first thing that we did is we opened up a safe and we made $10,000 in less than an hour. And then we were kind of convinced that we can keep doing that. Hmm. We did for a while, you know. And, um, you know, for me at that point in time, it was a little bit of an ego thing. You know, I wanted to be the man. But, but the point of this song is, is getting into like poverty and the effects of poverty. Right. Um, I spoke with Amelia last night and you haven't listened to that shit yet, but, um, you know, she talked about being homeless when she was a, a young girl and the effects that it had on her and her family and things like that. And I know that you kind of came up in a different kind of way, but you did see poverty, uh-huh. you know, you saw it and you had the roots that we keep talking about, right? You had mom, uh-huh. right? Um, but l- let me get a little bit of your two cents on the shit that I just shared. <clears throat> well, one, thank you mm. for all that information. That was a lot, even stuff that I didn't know. I didn't realize how young you were when all this stuff started. So that's wild in itself. Um, yeah, growing up, you know, we didn't have a lot, but the one thing that I know I did have, like you, you just mentioned was a good foundation, um, with my mother for sure. Um, I've also have, a couple people too that made sure I stayed out of that. Cause where I'm from in Yakima gangs are pretty, pretty relevant in day to day life. Um, there's always something going on, you know, whether it be drugs, robberies, just murders. I mean, things are just always going on in Yakima drive-bys and my friends growing up were really good about making sure I wasn't around and I got to just, it's almost, the when I look back on my life, I think about how soft it was in comparison to some people. Because at seven years old, I was not thinking about anything like what you were thinking about. Mm. Um, mine was completely different, you know? So I can only imagine, you know, I didn't even know I was poor until I was like 12, 11. We weren't poor. We just didn't have a lot. You know, but I didn't realize like how little we had until I started traveling for soccer. Yeah. Is when I started realizing I was like, oh shit, man. Like these, there's. Which sports is one of those things that. Yeah. Help people. hundred yeah. percent. And I got lucky 
And, you know, luckily my, my teammates were all, you know, kind of just dumbstruck by some of the traveling things, you know, like things that were just becoming normal. Like for us, it was a big deal to stay in a hotel. But for, <laughs> but for some kids, it's it's normal, you know. Mm. When I was an au pair, they stayed in the Four Seasons for two weeks while something was happening with their house. It's like I was never staying in the Four Seasons, you know. So you, there's there's life that you just don't know about, and a lot of things you don't learn because of survival, you know. I it wasn't I'm like it wasn't cool to be smart. Mm. See, this is one of the effects of a of a poor area. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it wasn't like, I, I never talked about my grades, that it was always sports. Yeah, because nobody thinks they can get out of this shit, so they, they you know, mm-hmm. you don't, you highfalutin motherfucker, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And, <clears throat> you know, luckily I was good at <laughs> school, and luckily I was good at soccer at the time, you know, for what it was at the time. It wasn't like I'm some all-star or anything like that, but I was better than most around me, mm-hmm. so it was it was comfortable, it was nice. It was easy because I was good at the two things. Like as you got older, were kind of cool. Like when you're good at school and you're good at sports, it's kind of cool, you know. And um, but I definitely know I saw the struggle constantly. And one thing about you know, especially my grandparents being both preachers, um, they were always giving, and that's the one thing I noticed because they always worked at the church. So it was even different too because people knew about the church. So no one was really messing with the church. You know, you can be gangster, but you ain't no gangster against Jesus. You know, I was cold blood. I was gangster towards them all. I believe, and there's, and that's a different. Yeah, like me, I could never, I could never do something like I couldn't commit a crime. And when I was little, I used to break into churches because that's where the food was. That's where the food was. By age six, I went into churches. Yeah, yeah. There, in my neighborhood, there was Warner Christian Academy. They never locked the door at all. At all. They didn't need to. They didn't need to. And I knew that. And I'd go in there all the time, and that was one of the places I'd eat. Was it just because they just had food in their fridge? Like, because it was a school, right? You said? Yeah, it was a Christian. I was actually, that was where I went in kindergarten before my parents divorced. And then when I went to first grade was when I went to like a, a mostly black school and it was a, okay. a, a shock to me. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, yeah. Like, like here I am in this white ass school, white ass then, neighborhood hey. watching black people on Sesame Street and then shocked. Living it. When I living, got- Living the streets. Yeah, dude. <clears throat> That's funny. That has to be shocking though. I saw a, <clears throat> a video recently of a, a black uh, Spanish girl. And she was, I mean, African black. I mean, she was very dark. Mm. And she went into a classroom with all Spanish kids. And the thing is, is the girl was a little bit bigger, you know, um, just because of her natural features. And she was just like older looking, but like she was a gorgeous little girl. Like she was a cute little girl. Mm. And uh, all the little kids were just so fascinated, you know, by it. And I think a lot of the times too, it's like people are always fascinated with certain lives. Like I'm fascinated by yours because- Oh, I got some stories. Oh, I dude. know. The more the more I get to know you, I'm just like, this shit's crazy. Dude, by the time I was nine years old, and this is no <clears throat> bullshit, I had guns to my head several times. Insane. Knives to my throat. Yeah, my uh, my 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 first stepdad he kidnapped us for three days at gunpoint, um, doing cocaine. He took off all his clothes, right, for three days. We had to wait for him to fall asleep before we got out of there. And he did one of those Russian roulette games with me when I was nine. Oh, and uh, I didn't get to hold the gun. 
So these are some of the things that people get Dude, exposed what to. What the fuck? These are some of the things that people get exposed to in poverty. And I'm not here to say feel sorry for me because that's not what this is about. Yeah. Um, I have I have healed myself in many ways, you know. But I think it's important to be honest uh, about some of the experiences I have had because I think that we have to kind of bring down the walls of of you know, the distance that we have. When you grow up in a different neighborhood, sometimes you don't realize what's really going on in those neighborhoods. And in those neighborhoods, we don't want to talk about it because what would the neighbors think? Yeah, for sure. That is 100% real. Right. We can't be that family. We can't be that family. But you know what? I went to school with them good kids too. That were that family. Yeah. So, I mean, there's no, there's no wall that separates us, right? Mm -hmm. we're, we're intermingled in this, in this country. And we're a little bit closer alike than people want to admit. Absolutely. Maybe I've said it here, but I say we all got a lot of things in common. The most is we're in debt. Mm. I was like, there you go. I mean, real. Like there's more of us that are the same than we're different. <laughs> it's just where we live. There, there's subtle differences in a red line neighborhood compared to a not red line neighborhood. And I brought out one that was very fucking obscure. I could point out some some other stuff like how um, babies are, are two and a half times more likely to die by one years old in a red line neighborhood, right? Than, than outside. Well, it's lack of resources, yeah. doctors, all these it different all things. It all makes sense. But it's but this crazy. is a, this is an obscure this is an obscure thing in a study of 108 urban areas nationwide. The formerly red line neighborhoods of nearly every city studied were hotter than the non-red line neighborhoods, some nearly by 13 degrees. Just temperature? Temperature. Subtle differences. And less trees. Yeah. More concrete. That's wild. Yes. 13 degrees. Yes. Yes. And there's <clears throat> there's a huge effect that has when, when you live in a certain area, right? Um, so one of the things I looked at this week is in countries where there's where there's more equality in the socioeconomic status, right? Where, where more people are equal with money um, nationwide, right? There's a whole lot less crime. There's a whole lot less violence. There's a whole lot less murders, addiction. I mean, everything, all those different th statistics, everything goes back to poverty. Everything goes back to poverty. You know, and I think that these days, like, um, the, the poverty is creeping into all neighborhoods these days. Crime. Crime is the one good example is you, you don't really, like, <clears throat> I used to live in a nice neighborhood. And then we just started having all these break-ins. Mm. And, you know, it was supposed to be, it's away from the city. <laughs> like, it made a difference. But, but like you were saying, though, you know, desperate times call for desperate measures. You gotta do what you got to do. Can't even get mad at someone for that. They're just trying to feed themselves in any facet, you know. So it's uh, it's rough out there in the streets, man. Like the one thing I've always been real nice to homeless people, and one of the main reasons, because maybe maybe um, I'm not sure if you said her name, but um. Did she say her name in the line? Miss Amelia. Okay, I didn't know if I should say her name or not. The lovely but, uh, Miss Amelia. Yeah, um, Amelia. And, uh, you know, I was never homeless, but I know that they were always on alert. Yes. You know? That's it. You hit it, dude. Nail on the fucking head. 
Yeah. Everywhere you go is not your place. No. So you're always looking out. You're always just yeah. on like survival mode. It never turns off. Yeah. And that kind of trauma does things to people. You know, one thing that I, um, so I've always, I've, I've said to you often, like I was the last generation to play outside, mm-hmm. you know, like completely outside. Um, <clears throat> and I think about, you know, like, like certain, certain times in my life and, you know, there's, there's never been a time like I got to relax. Like I, I got to remember the world without the internet is what I'm trying to get at. And I remember the fact that like, if my, if I didn't want to talk to somebody, it could be like, no, he's not here right now. Cause you'd have to actually call the phone. No, there wasn't a cell phone. Yeah. So it's like when you called somebody, it was actually their phone, like their house phone, their landline. Yeah. If you don't know what a landline is, go check it out. You're, you have some <laughs> somewhere, I promise you. Um, <clears throat> but, uh, but now, you know, like cell phones are so cheap and the internet is so cheap that social media is so cheap, but it's like the cheapest form of entertainment too, because it's like, you never get to turn it off anymore. So like kids, I think have that survival mode, you know, a lot now all the time because mm-hmm. like they could hear their phone buzzing if something shitty's going on in their life or like some, someone's saying something about you or whatever it is. You on know, high alert. On high alert always. And I think like if you are constantly on it, like you, you become almost, it's like, like ride or die almost all the time, you know, and you get really combative. I, I mean, this is me just freestyling. So I may be going in a crazy direction. But, you're right, dude. But I think that a lot of it has to do with, you know, you're almost irrational, but you're rational for your survival. So it's, it seems like other people don't quite understand what you're saying. Like, oh, I don't get it. Well, yeah, no shit. You don't get it. You get to go home to a bed at night and you're locked door. Like I'm sleeping in a tent that even if I put a lock on it, that don't mean shit. Mm. <laughs> you know, so the struggle is real, man. Sorry, that was a long. So I, th- long I think answer. you just hit on some of the some of the lyrics that I have, right? I'm I'm just I, I usually don't do this too often, but um, this is some of the the lyrics. I'm too busy trying to live, ain't got a mind to worry about how I should give, survive. Hell yes, I lived and read deep within them lines where everything can switch change around the block where it knocks the frame. Hell, son, I was of another mind. I did not recognize I. Me, myself, and twisted will had me beneath the whips of a done deal. Hell yeah, like how that shit feel. Mm. You know, and, it, and that was, it was about living in that, in those situations where, yeah, shit can change going around the corner. All of a sudden, it just knocks the frame, right? Like your whole world is undone. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Right? So um, I want to get into the second verse for uh, uh, just a second here, too. Um, I love this. And I brought, brought out this line with Amelia on our episode. Um, Nourish is a burden, right? In, in the poverty area, yeah, nur- yeah. to just, have nourishment. Just to eat. Yeah. Right? So this is where I took this. Nourish is a burden. Fall through a world like this where a grocery bill has got nine kids ass out cereal in the bowl again if you ain't up early worm to get at the box before all of them you want to eat you best learn to win hungry's doubled up just sleeping in belly rumbles knuckles hunger rock jaw breaker taken under midnight rob deal steal hell yeah i like how that there feels I'm going to get me mine. Yeah. That's what that is. You know what ass out cereal is, right? Well, 
We talked. We talked about it. Mm. Uh, you were telling me. I can't remember right now. When you ain't up early enough, you ask out a cereal because there's That's nine right. other motherfuckers in that house, dude. That's right. Yeah, we were. And you'd fight for that cereal. We'd fight for the prize. Yeah, we were. We yeah. I remember we did talk about it because we talked about the last cupcake at my at my work. Yeah. And dude. the person who took it had brothers and sisters. You know, like nine of them. Like you were saying. Like so, he he's the tenth. So he's like he's the youngest. <laughs> so he's like. Bro, when I see something, I just grab it. Because if I don't, someone else is going to take it. <clears throat> but it was just funny. Because he didn't recognize it. And I've always just been the oldest. Because i got to make sure my brother has something. I saw, I saw motherfuckers get in a fight over bacon. <laughs> bacon? <laughs> bacon. Mm-hmm. Bacon. This motherfucker had went to uh, the wall and snatched up the goddamn fire extinguisher off the wall and cracked this motherfucker in his head for his bacon. Did he eat the bacon? Goddamn right he ate the That's bacon. That's right. And it tasted probably better that day than any other day. Uh, but the point is, is this is a type of an aggression yeah. that gets made. It isn't just part of our psyche. Mm-mm. You know, and, and people have talked about, oh, is it nurture? Is it nature? Well, it, it's a little bit of both. You know, like my nature is a little bit different than, let's say, other people, right? I've never struggled with depression. I think if I had struggled with depression, I would not have survived my nah, life. For sure. Fuck not, no. Not at all. Um, if I was sitting there feel, thinking about my feelings all the time. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's part of kind of what I came out of. Like I had, I had to not be able to think about my feelings. No, nah, man. You had, you were on, you were on like survival mode too. You were on that let's go. Because mm. at any time it was let's go. You know? So you were, you were also in it. <clears throat> My, I look back now, man, my shit is soft. <laughs> oh, man, when you had to break in your cleats before the big game. Oh, oh rough life you have. Yeah, I got stories, dude. Dude, dude yeah, stories. like my, my biggest ones were like, oh, we used to shoot shoot cows with BB guns, you know. But like all the time, my boys would just be like, yo, you got to go home. So I can't even, it was the environment that I grew up in. Like mm. people made sure. They were like, nah, man, <laughs> you got to go. You ain't getting caught up in this bullshit. That's a blessing. <clears throat> and I was, People I was never about you, huh? People cared about you. Oh, absolutely. You. I look back now and I was, I'm blessed, bro. I was believing whatever you want to believe in, but the universe gave me a nice hand. The more I'm, I'm like, appreciate it, like appreciate more appreciative of it now, which is weird because not even weird, but I think I'm just reflecting more on my life, and I'm like, dude, it's not that bad. You know, like I, my mm. problems are weird because what's important to you may seem so little to somebody else. You know, like my problems now are definitely first world. And I realize like, shit, man, what am I complaining about? Like I'm healthy. I'm here. Like, I have a good life. You know, See, I've never talked about my shit too much. Mm-mm. Not in life. Mm. Um, and, and this album is called Sacrificing the Silence. You know, it's time for me to to come clean with some things because I think it might help people. And one of the reasons why I've never talked about it is because, um, A, I, I don't like always talking about it, you know, because people start to see you a little bit differently, you know. But to be honest with you, if I could actually help people to understand, if I could actually help people, I don't really care how people see me today. For sure. I'm pretty secure in who the fuck I am today. Um but I think that, that this type of poverty 
uh, is something that's affecting America at a deep level, right? Um, Martin Luther King said this, is that if a man has neither a job nor income, he has neither life nor liberty. He simply exists, you know? And I, I say that for a specific reason, because I think that we're actually in a place right now in this, in this country where there's a lot of people who's going to go out of work. Mm -hmm. And I think we're going to lose liberty when that happens. I think we're going to lose a lot of freedom when that happens. 97% um, of our currency is digital. Only 3% of our money is actually in cash form. That's wild. Only 3%. <clears throat> That's super wild. So this, just huh. in and of that of itself, right, has to lead to a distorted perception of value. Absolutely. Because it's intangible. Yeah. Right? That's so wild because it's, where did it come from? Dude, it's so wild. Debt. I mean. Debt. Yeah. You know, during, you're, during you're 2008, right. the bailout process took $13 trillion in household wealth that disappeared here in America. I said this on the last podcast, $13 trillion of household wealth disappeared in America following the bailout. Now I ask, are we now living in the dark shadow of our own government serving the 1%? I'm a firm believer in that's a yes. We're raising the ceiling on our debt right now. Mm -hmm. Why? So we can spend more. So we can spend more. And more and more. And who are we in debt to? I mean, they say, some say China. No, it's a bank. Oh, well, the central, yeah, well, your central bank, yeah. Yeah, federal, federal like bank, you, federal reserve. Yeah, for sure. They give us, they, they give us cash. We give them bonds. Yeah. I mean, that's, yes, that's exactly it. <laughs> that's how it's done. So that, that debt it is growing. We bailed these motherfuckers out. We constantly bail these motherfuckers out. And we're paying out. the interest. Constantly. On bailing them out. Yes. Now you're a money guy. Explain to me. Does this make sense? No, because you couldn't. What always baffles me about the government is just the laissez-faire attitude about committing crimes just openly. And... If you and I did certain things like just printed our own money without actually being able to back it. Dude, like, I can't buy a car without getting a credit check. Well, I'm just, but I'm saying like, you'd be, you know what I mean? Consider like if you were to make your own money or do it, like do exactly what the government does, just print it when it needs it. You know, that's illegal. If I met, if I missed a payment, my, my credit's bad. It's bad. You know, it's, um, there's just so many, I mean, you talk about like insider trading, like they're the guys who make the fucking decisions. Like, yeah, they're going to have a heads up to their family members. It, there's just little things that just are so crazy. I saw a police officer today blatantly just, like go past a red light. And I'm just like, bro, they just don't give a fuck. No, dude. So then it just shows like, what side do you want to be on? Like, you know, my mom, <laughs> we kind of joke sometimes. Um, actually, no, I'm not going to say that because I'm not going to say where she works. But so, <clears throat> but it's just, it's just so funny when, you know, how much you want to give and take mm. in that. Like, do I want, it's like, now you understand why people do bad things. Like quote unquote, like certain times it's like, yeah, man, they were hungry too. They had to be their family too. It's just crazy world we live in.
So here's the definition of influence. The capacity to have an effect on the character, the development, or behavior of someone or something. That's influence. Now, my question is, is someone really free if they're being influenced by external forces like poverty? No. You're just kind of already like in a pre-made jail. You're kind of just stuck. That's why I always tell people to watch The Wire. They talk about this shit a lot because it's in Baltimore, mm. like downtown Baltimore. And we're not downtown, but, you know, the bad part of Baltimore, well, other side all, of the track. All Baltimore. I mean, yeah, there's no, there's no real, yeah, for sure. But it, it really talks about that, how, you know, like, doesn't matter what the fuck you do, you're going to end up back here. Mm. You know, you got some cousin that's going to do some shit. You're going to have to come back home. You got this and this. There's like a scene where they talk about that, where it's just like, no matter what, man. Like, you got to take everyone with you. <laughs> See, I wasn't ever supposed to get out. I mean, the more I hear about your stories, it's like crazy that you're here today. It is. Fucking insane, man. It is. And I've only told you the half. I couldn't, You've told me 10%. Yeah, probably. But I've learned more on this probably. podcast, and I know you. Like, we talk on, yeah. <laughs> we talk on the outside. Where is that dude? Where is that dude? You know I mean, what I mean? Is he gone? I mean, he's, there's, he's always in there, but... Yeah. But, I mean... You're the, you're like the kind of the scariest type. Because mm. you're just like, crazy's in there though. Just be careful. You know, and I, I, I believe, I believe that education holds the answer to every problem we face in the world today. Yeah. It's been because of education that my eyes were opened, right? Education, art. And that's also what this song is about, how that feels. Because at the end of the song, I bring it back to the music and I'm like, how does that feel? How does this mic feel? Right? Because uh, music affected me on a deep level. And in a, in a lot of ways, it was education and music, the culture that I had, that, that grounded me and gave me a way out. Right? And that's kind of something that's disappearing from our schools right now. Mm-hmm. You know, art. Yeah. It's always the first to go. Yeah. That and band. Mm. Get them out of here. I guess band could be considered an art too, but art's always the first to go. So we were talking about population with this global warming thing and um, uh, the, the hunger that exists and all this and that. And a lot of people say, oh, we've got too many people on the planet. We don't have resources, da 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 I was born in 1970. 1970, we had hunger. We had motherfuckers starving to death then, right? We had 3.5 billion people on the planet at that time. People were hungry, okay. And people were hungry. That's less than half of what we got today, right? And we have the, the resources today even to feed 8 billion people, right? If we wanted to, if we wanted to, which tells me that uh, if the people... Um, had money <laughs> in 1970, they could have eaten. <laughs> yeah, true. So here's something, hydroponic food, growing food hydroponically instead of out in the fields and the farms and shit like we do it, utilizes 75% less water and nutrients to grow it without the use of pesticides because it's hydroponics. It could be inside a fucking building without all the the the, the fucking 
pesticides insects. being used to keep the bugs Just, away. Yeah, keeping insects away. And we wouldn't have to consume these fucking poisons or put it into our fucking planet. It stays out of our bodies and out of the earth, right? We could actually be growing hydroponic food right in the cities instead of shipping them around the fucking country using gas, right? We could eat locally, grow locally. Mm. But, but, yeah. But there's not that much money in that shit. And if there ain't no money, we ain't doing it. That's right. And it's because we have a distorted view of of what value is. When 97% of our money is not actual cash, where it's digital currency, and we're raising the ceiling on debt. Yeah, that's so... When you really sit and think about it, it is so crazy that it is all digital. Mm. It is kind of wild. And this country is, guess what? In debt up to its eyeballs. <clears throat> what have, is it now? We have the most debt in the world. Yeah, in, in the history of the world, for sure, then. Um, is it, what, a $27 trillion? Dude, I don't know, because it's all fucking abstract ideas to that's me. That's true, that's true. You don't even know. Like when the, <clears throat> You know what, one of my... Someone I know, they said something to me recently, and I found it to be really interesting. They said that you should start doing, instead of doing like, <clears throat> like do percentages more so than anything, like out of the way to measure stuff. Cause it was just like, he, we were talking about like the universe and he goes, all right, let's talk about the Milky Way. And he goes, the Milky Way may be like 2% of the universe. So is it really that big? Mm. You know? And he was just, and the, I've been thinking about that every time I hear a statistic lately, I've been thinking about like, I wonder what like the percentages of that in comparison to like a larger scale, because it just seems like it'd be a, a cleaner way to explain everything. Mm. Random, random thought, but. So this is, this is the thing here. I think this is a big topic. I think this is probably one of the biggest topics we've, we've had. And I'm going to take this out of left field, right? We were a little short compared to how usually long we talk. We usually mm-hmm. talk about 20 minutes longer, but I want to include Amelia's episode on this. And this is what I'd like you to do because we're sticking on this topic for two weeks. I want you to take the car next week. I want you to drive this motherfucker. You're going to be doing some research, if you wouldn't mind, stepping up to the plate and driving it and letting me respond to your thoughts and ideas. You know your boy's game. Fuck yeah, dude. You know I'm, your I, boy's dude, game. Dude, I'm about to have a gay experience because I think I just got a little hard. Mm. Mm. <laughs> oh my God, dude. Yeah. So you're going to drive the car. Let's go. And I'm going to be sitting in that motherfucking chair. Let's go. Oh, baby. That's right. No, Ain't no one going to press buttons like your boy press buttons over here. Uh. And you're the motherfucking money man. So um, I'm going to get a chance to respond. We're going to cut this episode short so that we can have Amelia's and our episode here combined in one good motherfucking episode. Let's go. Let's go. Mm. It's all about cohesion. Well, everybody, this has been Curious G. You were about to hear Amelia and I continue this conversation. But man over here, Ace Cannon is out. your ass oh, by surprise no you didn't. <laughs> i did i like that kind of shit i like i was trying to get it out the way <laughs> mm, i like that uh 
own natural thing. <laughs> yeah. Who do we have today? Amelia. Miss Amelia. <laughs> mm, Curious G and Miss Amelia together again yep. on the mic. Um, so how that feels. Yeah. You like that song? I love it. Do you? Yeah. Okay. Feel good? It's uh, I I was just gonna say it's like one of those feel good despite all the deep shit that you're talking about. I mm. think people can really dance to that, you know, and feel it and you know And it's that kind of song. Yeah. It's, it's <laughs> It it reminds me a little bit of Motherfucker in in the sense that Motherfucker is very obscure what it's talking about, right? Uh-huh. And really, there's no deep idea in Motherfucker. It's just basically, I'm that motherfucker that's going to talk about some right. shit, right? <laughs> but in this song, um, it's very obscure, too. It's very poetic. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you take certain lines, there are certain lines that you just take the line by itself, like nourishes a burden. Mm-hmm. You know, how much work does it take to nourish ourselves? Lots. <laughs> yeah. Especially if you're in a poor neighborhood, right? Yeah. So I, I spent two years in Canada. And one of the things that I noticed when I was in Canada was all the good for you food is cheap, where the processed stuff is more expensive. Oh, that's different. It is different. <laughs> It is yeah, different. Yeah. Here, it's not that way, right? Right. No, it's the other way around. Why do you think that is? Because um, they don't give a fuck about us. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly it. See, this is why I love me some Miss Amelia. Because you're smart as a fucking whip. Thanks. Because they don't give a fuck about us. Yeah. That's basically it. Yeah. Um, we can go ahead and die young, mm-hmm. you know, younger. Um, there, the uh, processed food is actually more expensive and the reason is, is because when they pay more for it, they also pay more in taxes for things like alcohol, cigarettes, stuff that's going to kill them, right. basically. Uh-huh. So as they get older in Canada, because they're socialized medicine, it puts a burden on the country to take care of people's health, right? So all the stuff that is damaging to their health is more expensive. Yeah. We've got it backwards. Right. Completely. <laughs> Nourish is a burden. It is. It is. It is here, <laughs> for sure. Do you eat well? Do you? Do you how do you shop? Do you buy processed food? I know your dog eats good. I saw what you picked out for your dog at the grocery <laughs> store. That motherfucker. My dog eats good. Oh, he, he, Everybody says that when they go with me. Now, and I get food. now y'all don't get confused because her dog's name is the same name as my dick, Bully. <laughs> Oh my God. <laughs> well, I live with a bully. He's right. always bullying my ass. That's what I call him. I call him a bully. That is but you funny. got you got a bully at home too. I do. And he eats good. He's bu- always bullying me. Always bullying <laughs> yep. you, yeah. What did you buy for him when we were at the store that day? I think it's like fresh it's fresh pet, I guess the name. Came out just, of a refrigerator. Yeah, it comes it out was, of a refrigerator. Ooh. It's chicken. They got beef. It has vegetables in it and, you know, mm. a little bit of rice. Do you eat as good as Bully does? I do, but I think I need to eat healthier. <laughs> mm. Like, I mean, I like my vegetables, but I eat a lot of red meat. Mm. I don't know how healthy like that steaks? is. I like steaks. Ooh. I like steaks. I like beef. I've seen you eat a few of them. Yeah. You like them when you have them with me. <laughs> I do. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I eat. I steak, eat. steak is good for you. You know, there's this idea that, that beef is bad and all that stuff. You know, it, it's balanced. That's what it's all about. You know, if you, right. if you overdo red meat, it can be bad. Right. Like anything else. Yeah. Um, 
according to the people, you know, uh, the, the healthiest diet though in the world is the Mediterranean diet, which they don't eat a lot of red meat. Oh, I don't know about that diet. Yeah, it's like uh, Mediterranean, the people around the Mediterranean, like Greek, stuff uh-huh. like that. Yeah. Um, so they do a lot of seafood. Uh, mm. They do a lot of like olive oil, extra mm-hmm. virgin olive oil, which is actually, it has health benefits. Yeah, I use that when I cook sometimes. You can drink that shit and they do. Oh, wow. They I drink it. that. <laughs> they do. They, they drink it. Oh. I've mm. drank it. I wanted to check the shit out. I got into the Mediterranean diet for a while. I might have to give it a sip. Know. You know, I'm not going to say it. it I, mean, <laughs> I want to be there when you do. I got some downstairs. Right. Okay. After we get done off this mic. I'll take a sip. You're going to take a shot of bucket olive oil. I'll, I'll take a sip. <laughs> but you can put as much as you want on your salads. That's the benefit, right? And, yeah. Um, there's actually something in olive oil that reduces cholesterol and helps to break up the shit that leads to heart attacks. Oh. Okay. So that's that's good to know. Right. Um, but yeah, they eat a lot of fish. They eat um, shrimp, mussels, all that kind of stuff. Olives, um, a lot of rice, you know, yeah. stuff stuff like that. But um, hummus, big thing. Hummus, yeah. Yeah, a mm-hmm. lot of protein in that stuff. But, but no, not a lot of red meat, you know. Um, but red meat is good, I think. But we're getting off topic. Yeah. But, Nourish is a burden. Right. <laughs> it is a burden. Did you eat well when you were young? Um, I thought I did. I I mean, I don't know. Your mom know. made it work. She made it work, yeah. She made it work. I don't know how good, like, stuff that she gets from, like, the food bank. But she made it work. I mean, I didn't think I was eating bad. I wasn't eating TV dinners all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, my mom was cooking up some Mexican dishes. <laughs> so she was hooking it up, mm. <laughs> you know. What would what, you get when you were a kid? What was the thing she made real good? Um, Like beans, like refried beans, all kind of different kinds of beans, like different styles, rice, you know, chicken. See, like, I dig on that shit, man. She made a lot of stuff that was like, that had like a juice, like caldo, you know, mm. that's what juice in um, like, you know, like a soup type thing with vegetables and meat and stuff mm. over rice you know i don't Just, remember anything that i hate <laughs> when i was a kid that my mom made my really mom, yeah she didn't she didn't learn to cook until i got to be um older my mom was a bad alcoholic i, mm-hmm. I should i should say that she sobered up when i was nine okay and um uh, up until the age of nine uh she didn't cook um and i don't really remember how we always ate, <laughs> right? And even the first few years after she sobered up, she still didn't cook. I think I was about 13, 14 before she actually started to cook. Yeah. And then she got really fucking good at it, to oh, be honest with you. That's good. Um, but yeah, when, when, I was, when I was young, my mother would black out and often forget to come home, mm. sometimes for a couple of days. And I was basically an only child in the house. And my mom and dad divorced when I was five. So if I was at home and she went into a blackout and forgot to come home and lost track of what day it was, I had to figure out some shit. So right. I learned to cook at, at five years old. You yeah. know, I was that little motherfucker pushing the chair over to the <laughs> right. stove and, yeah, and cooking up some hamburger meat. And yeah. I thought I had found some secret shit when I put the accent spice on that motherfucker. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, th- I thought I'd done something. 
But, um, you know, it was actually, that, so her best friend had nine kids. And in the song, I kind of talk about this, that mm-hmm. it, it's hard to find nourishment when there's nine kids at home, right? And her best friend had nine kids, ages 17, all the way down to like two, three, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And when I was five, uh, the older ones were into drugs, you know, mm-hmm. and hard drugs, sold drugs, was a drug house. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were breaking into houses, and um, when I was five, they had me and their little brother go in through the window and, and come around and unlock the door. And, you know, we got 20 bucks. Yeah. And that $10 went a long fucking way to feed my ass. Right. You know, so that was how I got kind of introduced to taking care of myself was through those situations. Um, what do you think about all that? Should I mean... Well, you shouldn't have been going through that. I yeah. mean, you know. Yeah. Um, I feel like you probably. I mean, you you found a way, mm. and that kind of probably in your head at that age, you're probably thinking, okay, well, I, you know, I got it figured out. I know what I can do. You know, if mom's not here, so you know, you kind of start to think it's okay in a way. You know. I did. I did think it was okay. Yeah. In fact, I kind of thought like I owed a loyalty to the people that I was doing it with. Right. You know, this was to me family. Mm-hmm. And by taking care of that kind of stuff, we were taking care of each other. Right. Because they were making sure you ate in a, in yeah. a way. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Yeah. We all, we, we did take care of each other. And yeah. If, if something went down, we were, it was like that show Shameless. You ever watch Shameless? Oh, no. Oh, you got to watch that show. Well, I'm sure somebody out there watch <laughs> Goddamn Shameless. If you've ever seen Shameless, that was the house I stayed at all the goddamn time. <laughs> we was shameless. Oh, gosh. <laughs> but, you know, I, I bring that up because, you know, there's there's a mentality that comes out of poverty. And that's what this is about. Mm-hmm. Um, like you've heard of a red line neighborhood before. I have. You have? Mm-hmm. What's your idea of a red line neighborhood? I probably grew up in a red line neighborhood. I mean, poverty, um, like Section 8, you know, mm-hmm. government mm-hmm. assistance. Government cheese. Yeah, government cheese. You got the government cheese. <laughs> um, you know. You could do some shit with the government cheese, though. Uh, you can. I mean. You can. That's, that, that's how a lot of people are surviving. That's how my mom was surviving. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. I'm pretty sure everywhere I lived was a red line neighborhood for sure. Now the effects of that is when you're going to schools, the property taxes for an area helps to fund schools. Mm -hmm. So when the property values are lower, those schools are less funded. Right. So they have worse teachers. Mm -hmm. They have worse supplies. Um, You're getting a worse education. Yeah. Um, the jobs that's in the area, they're not as good, not as high paying. So people get trapped in these communities mm-hmm. and, and this has led to generational poverty, mm-hmm. right? So it, it's so hard to get out. And I think that one of the ways that people sometimes get out is they turn to crime like I did, yeah. you know, it was, it was a way out. Um, I don't know if you noticed people that, that were in those neighborhoods doing some fucked up shit. Yeah, usually. I mean, yeah, people are stealing, people are robbing, people are shooting, killing, I mean, selling drugs. I mean, all that, yeah. Now, here's the thing that that I actually want to talk about. If you look at countries 
where there is more equality economically mm. among the population. There's less crime. There's less violence. There's less rape. There's less homicide. There's less everything, mm-hmm. right? In, in our society, there is such uh, inequity, you know? Uh, people are not equal in this country at all. There's a big difference between some neighborhoods and other neighborhoods. Yeah. You know, and, and to be honest with you, uh, neighborhoods like yours and mine, um, that's where a lot of arrests happen. But let's say my buddy who's a lawyer, right? Not too many arrests in his neighborhood, mm-hmm. you know? Um, here in the United States, we are 4% of the world's population. Mm-hmm. We have 25% of all of the people in the world in prison. That's a lot. <laughs> Fuck yeah. That's a lot. 25% of the entire world's prison population is here in the United States. I believe it. <laughs> and that's that's part of that inequality too. Mm-hmm. You know. So, how did you make it? I mean, you you was it your mom was it you got special schools? What how did you become as smart as you fucking are? You know what? I did I went to a special school. Mm. I think that's what it was. I was like 9. After like being homeless with my mom and my two sisters, like, you know, riding the buses back and forth, you know, living in cars, living with friends and stuff, bouncing around a lot. I went to a school called First Place. I don't know if it's still around. Shout out to that school. Mm. They are for kids in transition and, you know, how that need transitional housing or, you know, homeless or in transition. And I think that school well, really helped me. <laughs> mm. It was ba- it was for the those kids that were homeless or in transition. So they catered to us a lot and they had a lot of funding, like, you know, Bill Gates and all those people. Like mm. they helped us get housing. <laughs> so that school, I think that was the special school that I went to. So charity in a way. Yeah, it, it was. It was charity. it was awesome. I don't know if it's still around. Do you know this about that word charity? Mm-hmm. It actually means God's love. Oh, yeah. I did not know that. <laughs> yeah, it was. Uh, it came from a word called agape, which was uh, a, a Greek that, word. Yeah, I've heard that. That, that a lot of religious people kind of use, mm-hmm. right? But in the English translation, it would be charity, which mm-hmm. is an unconditional form of love. There's no. Um, see, we have a lot of different words for love, right? Mm-hmm. Me and you have a friendship, mm-hmm. right? I love you as a friend, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Um, you have your mother, that's your family. Mm-hmm. There's different emotions in those type of relationships. A man and a wife, right? That's erotic, mm-hmm. eros, right? Mm-hmm. There's a different type of emotion there, right? Mm-hmm. But when it comes to agape or charity, there is no emotion tied to it. It's just caring for another person without mm-hmm. conditions, Yeah, you know? Um, and charity is one of the things that, that seems to show up in, in neighborhoods like ours. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, a lot of times there's a lot of things that come with it, like conditions. Right. You know, mm-hmm. like the religion and stuff like that. Did mm-hmm. you have to go to church and all that stuff? No. 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 Well, you got lucky. It was, it was, <laughs> yeah, I think I did get lucky. It was, I felt really blessed. Like it's a, it was like, mm. uh, it was, it was cool. It was, there wasn't a ton of like conditions that we had to do. We just had to go to school. And actually, my badass back then, mm. all my friends, you know, kind of like, 
um, taking advantage a little bit of it because they would give us stuff. So we found a way to like, you know, get milk the system. Yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> My oh. mom probably taught me that. <laughs> you like nice things. I've seen the way you yeah. dress. <laughs> yeah. So we found a way to milk the system. Even when way, you dress you know? down, you, you're fly. Thank you. You thank fly. You, thank you. White ass socks over there. <laughs> Right, white tea, white sock, mm-hmm. <laughs> fresh. No, thank you. But yeah, so there wasn't a, a ton of conditions that came with that school, but you know, how were the how were the kids f- treating you? How how were they with you? We were all bad because mm-hmm. we all came from poverty. Oh, so <laughs> all the kids, there. all the kids there. That was oh. a, a school specifically for homeless kids and kids that were in transition. That's oh. why. That's why I'm like, it, it was a great. School. opportunity yeah okay. uh, you know they well that was probably good out. yeah that was a support system then. It, that was like the biggest support but a lot of people aren't fortunate to have like schools like that i'm pretty sure they don't have those everywhere mm. <laughs> so and i don't even know if it's still around see i went and, and when i was in fifth grade from september to december mm-hmm. i went to five different schools damn damn yeah one of those schools I was literally at for two weeks. <laughs> wow. Yeah. 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 And um, it, it was, you know, and that was after my mom got sober. It was, she would, she was more fucked up when she first got sober than she was when she was drinking, actually. Oh, wow. And shit really went crazy. Yeah. Um, but uh, my fifth school, I had moved in with my dad for a little while and it was an all white school. Mm. There was one black person in that school and that was the janitor. <laughs> And the teachers okay. openly dropped the N bomb. Oh wow! Oh yeah, it was, and and they knew I was a sore thumb in that motherfucker. Mm-hmm. They just knew. Yeah, they just knew. Yeah. Um, but you know, I don't think that people really grasp what generational poverty does, what the lack of opportunity does, the mentality of people. Um, I came in with a different type of mentality, mm-hmm. and um, people would fuck with me a little bit, and I uh, one day I skipped school. You know, mm-hmm. and I I ate my lunch, and um I filled up my lunchbox with a bunch of rocks. Oh fuck! And I followed the school bus around on my little bicycle through my neighborhood. Oh my and every time somebody got off the bus, I ran behind them with my bicycle and cracked them in the back. Oh my god! It's <laughs> terrible. And just kept going with the bus, worked my way all around the whole oh neighborhood. Oh my goodness! And and guess what? Everybody left me the fuck alone I'm after sure. that. And, sure. you know, but that neighborhood wasn't ready for my ass. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and this is the issue with poverty is we create monsters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and, and I don't think I'm a bad person. You've known me for some time. I don't think you are. What is your impression? And you ain't got to toot my horn too much now, but I'm just saying, be honest. You're smart. You're kind. You have an open mind. I'm kind. You're loving. I've been, I'm loving? Yeah. yeah. To you? Of course. I think so. I'd say that's loving. (laughs) Caring, loving, you know, you're, you're, you're nice. Am I a monster? You're kind. You're not a monster. See, I was. When I was young, I was dangerous. I was. Mm -hmm. Um, And to be honest with you, one of the things that brought me out of all of that was education and art. I got turned on to music at a young age, mm-hmm. right? And my music brought me into places where I started to get educated. Um, I started to read. I started to turn on to literature and philosophy and all these things, mm-hmm. you know? And I, I believe to this day that that saved me. 
Yeah. Um, what people might not know about you is I wrote you a song called Innocence Kept. Yes. And we're going to hear it at some point on this show because I'm <laughs> releasing these songs in an order, right? So yeah. we're we're a ways out. It's it's somewhere in the next album. I'll be back to talk on you that. You'll be back to talk yeah. on that one. <laughs> um, but, but why do you think I wrote that song and what do you think that song means? Um, keeping the innocence, keeping my innocence that with, you know, through going through everything that I've been through, like, you know, survival and all that stuff um just keeping that innocence and being able to stay a kind you know loving you know person i guess and that's exactly (laughs) it that is exactly it you know because poverty does a lot of things to people um the homelessness that you talked about going through Mm -hmm. um this stuff it affects us Mm -hmm. right um you know gandhi said that there exists no violence that has killed more people in this world than poverty. Yeah, it's deep. And I think sometimes in the poverty that we have here in the United States, we create monsters like me, mm-hmm. you know. Um, I'm sure you've done things that you weren't necessarily proud of that made you kind of look in the mirror and not like yourself very much. You know, mm-hmm. um, and I kind of bring that out in the song and you haven't really told me those stories, but I do know some of the, 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 you know, be growing up in, in the homeless type stuff. We all do shit, mm-hmm. right? We don't need to get into that, but, um, sometimes we, we attach our value to the things that we do, mm-hmm. you yeah. know, when I was growing up and I was robbing people as a young kid to eat, right. Or, you know, attacking kids off the school bus, Right. You know what I mean? I look back on that and I was not proud of it. And I got to a certain age and I thought, all right, I'm just bad. Mm-hmm. I'm just bad. I'll be bad. That's what you hear a lot growing up too. Oh, those bad kids. Or yeah. you're bad. You're your mom. Like, you're bad. Like, you don't listen. You're just bad. Yeah. Did you ever believe any of those messages about you? Mm, I'm, I'm sure I did. I, I mean, I can look back now and be like, I was bad. <laughs> Like I was bad. I was bad. Like you were feisty. I was feisty. I yeah. I've I was I was a little bit of a troublemaker. I could be. Um yeah. What I, I love about you, you were talking to me one day, we were sitting in the car. Uh-huh. Right in in the parking lot uh-huh. here. And you were telling me about taking care of your mom. Uh-huh. And one of the things you talked about was how you know you're supposed to do it, but you don't always feel like doing it, but you want to want to do it. Do you remember right. that conversation? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that was, that was the moment that I kind of wanted to start writing that song. Yeah. You know, is, is I, I, I could see you fighting for some humanity, mm-hmm. you know? And that's one of the things to me that makes you absolutely beautiful. Thank you. Yeah. Um, there's an inner beauty that you have. And... Um, you know, yeah, that's your mom and all that stuff. But to recognize that sometimes we're selfish and we want to not do those things, mm-hmm. but to put ourselves aside and to do it. Um, I think poverty is one of those things that gets us to think about ourselves and not others. Right. And I think that's why there's so much violence in poverty. Yeah. And I think that's what Gandhi was talking about. Yeah. I mean, I can think back to when I was a kid or even my teenage years, I was like not a good kid. I was not a good daughter, I feel like, to my mom at all. 
you know, I feel like. So as I got older and I started to, you know, like realize maybe the things that she gone through as a kid and like, you know, think about it without you know I mean like, oh, whatever, you know, she should have did this or she should have did that or we should have had this or, you know, I just, you know, I'm like, that's my mom now. You know, I got to take care of her because she did take care of us. She did what she could, you know, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, despite all the shit around us or all the poverty or all the fucked up, you know, neighborhoods we lived in or, you know, she could have gave up. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of people that give up their kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you know, there's a lot of, a lot of moms. Um, and she kept you guys together. Yeah. You know, that had to be hard. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. Every time she calls, I'm like, all right. <laughs> mm, shout out mama. <laughs> right. Shout out mama. <laughs> mm. So here is something. I, I like to talk about the definition of things. Mm-hmm. Right. This is the definition of influence. The capacity to have an effect on the character or development or behavior of someone or something, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking about the influence that, that poverty has. And my question is, is someone free if they're being influenced by external forces like poverty? Mm, no. I think not because you, it's like you have to or you feel, or you feel like you have to do something because you're dealing with poverty or you're dealing with a bad situation. So you have to do something. It's like survival. It's, you're just trying to survive pretty much. So no, you're not free <laughs> because you have all this worries and stress and all you have to, all you're trying to do is survive, you know, get some food, get some money, you know, mm-hmm. take care of your family, whatever you got to do. And that's all it is. It's survival. So I feel like I grew up on survival. And it has an effect. Mm-hmm. Um, it has an effect on the way that our, our minds develop. It has an effect on our, our emotions, mm-hmm. the relationships that we've had. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you want to answer this question, but how many, how many um, real relationships have you had, like committed relationships in your life? Like overall, like friendships and all that. Um, boyfriend, uh, oh. girlfriend. I don't even know. Do you have a girlfriend? <laughs> no. Or are you are you into no. chicks? You into dudes? I'm not uh, dudes. Oh, you into dudes? dudes okay, uh, kind of. I think. Okay, <laughs> not mm. in anybody. No, we're gonna have to talk after the show here. <laughs> it, um, I, I don't know why many. nobody's coming at you. Because if I was a young man, I'd be breaking my arm to fucking get you to uh-huh. fall in love with me. <laughs> um, relationships. I haven't had um many. I mean, I've had, I've been in relationships, but I haven't had like too many. Um, Is that want, a trust do you issue? Know why? <laughs> I was going to say, do you want to know why? Well, it, it, I, I, I think it has to do with the way we came up. Yeah, trust trust issue is definitely one of them. Mm-hmm. And my mom, my mom probably her trust issues probably rubbed off on me too because like I didn't grow up with any males around like mm. at all like. My dad didn't grow up with my dad. My mom hated my dad. So, like, I don't know. I had this thing where I'm like, I don't really need a man. Because mm. that's kind of how my mom was, I think. I don't know if that, just from seeing her, the way she grew up. But my sister's completely different. So, I don't know, you know. I'm just, probably has something to do with how I grew up. I don't, I and relationships is really, uh, it's so much of life, 
You know yeah. what I mean? Like, like uh, the vulnerability that, that people have to be able to let people in. Mm-hmm. Um, and I grew up feeling like very alone and very self-sufficient, you know, mm-hmm. as any kid would that's like trying to figure out how to feed themselves right. at five. Mm-hmm. You know, if your mom doesn't come home all weekend um, and you've got to figure it out. You know, you, you tend to not to depend on other people. Mm-hmm. And then I would be in the situation where I was staying with the nine kids and we had something called ass out cereal. Mm-hmm. You ever have ass out cereal? I probably have. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what ass out cereal is? Uh, I think so. Um, you better get some cereal or you're assed out because you got all. You better wake up early. You better wake that. up early and get some cereal. Yeah. Be able to get some cereal. That's right. Or, or, or you're going to be ass out of cereal. <laughs> That's what, <laughs> that's what, that's what that, in the song I talk about ass out cereal, you better get at the box before all of them. You want to eat, you best learn to win because mm-hmm. hungry doubles up just sleeping in. Yeah. That belly rumbles, <laughs> you know, and, yeah. and in the song I'm talking about fighting people for it, mm-hmm. you know, and, and like knocking somebody the fuck out and then robbing and stealing to get, to get what you, what you need. And this is mm-hmm. poverty. This mm-hmm. is poverty. Mm-hmm. You know, we get to a place where, um, we're just taking care of the needs of that moment, mm-hmm. you know? And, and one of the issues is with poverty is um, if we're just trying to meet those basic needs, we're not meeting some of the higher needs. Yeah. And that comes in relationships. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I've had, I've had quite a few uh, relationships in my life and they say, if you've had more than five committed relationships in your life, the chances of ever, having like a good marriage is slim to none. If you have, if you've had more than five, if you've had more than five. Oh. Yeah. And, and I've, I've, I've definitely fallen into that category, you know? Wow. Um, now I wonder, cause I'm like, you I might do really- all right. You've had the walls up. You let, the walls up if, my whole if life. somebody can beat the wall down, they are going to find a pile of gold. Yeah. And, and my little Selma Hayek over there. <laughs> That's hmm. funny. That is funny. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> I digress. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so, hmm. if if people aren't working in this country, and I want to get into this AI thing real quick, mm-hmm. right? Because AI is about to hit, mm-hmm. and what's projected is that there's going to be 300 million jobs lost. In the United States, 300 million. Yeah. There's 325 million people in the United States. Wow. Wow. Yeah. And that probably means everybody we know. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. <laughs> you know what I mean? For sure. Um, so what do you think would happen to people if they're not working? Well, you know, everything else that's going on now, I mean, it's just going to, it's going to get worse. People are going to go crazy. People are going to be robbing the small percentage of the people that have, you know, like it's going to be, I don't know. It's going to be bad. Maybe, maybe. So here's the thing that that they've talked about. Mm -hmm. Um, The World Economic Forum has talked about giving people basically income, Mm -hmm. you know, kind of like you get your government check, Mm -hmm. that type of shit. Um, it's, it's just basically, uh, income credit that, mm-hmm. that, that you're given, um, to where you won't have to work, you know, 
Exactly. <laughs> Wait, like we'll, we'll all get a check. Uh-huh. Go ahead. Eat with and, that. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. That sounds pretty crazy. That does that, sound pretty crazy. What What is everybody going to do then? You know, I think, and this is my own conspiracy. Uh-huh. This is my theory, uh-huh. right? When this metaverse stuff takes off and people can just, you know, put the goggles on and be inside this fake ass world, mm-hmm. you know, um, I think people are going to check out. Yeah. I think people are going to check out. Yeah. You know, people aren't going to be writing songs. Yeah. They're right. going to be living in their own little fake ass world. Right. Waiting to die. Yeah. I feel like a lot of people do that now, but you know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we, we, we live inside television. Yeah. Uh, social media. <laughs> yeah. Imagine what it's going to be like when we can actually put the goggles on. and The VR, the VR set. <laughs> Yeah. So I picture. They have this skin that they just developed. Skin. It, a skin. It's a computer skin. Mm. And it stretches and feels like human skin. Right? And it has senses inside the inside the fake skin that can sense touch, just like a human skin. And they wanna they say that they wanna give it to people that are um you know, like missing a limb, like mm-hmm. an arm or a leg or something like mm-hmm. that. But I could see some some robots having this kind of stuff. Yeah. And I could see also you being able to touch the skin and it being able to react to you, even though it's not real. Yeah. So you put these goggles on and maybe people are having sex with fucking robots. In the <laughs> that was kind of a thought I just had. Like, yeah. Or, I didn't think sex, but I thought like, you know, having a relationship with a robot. Oh, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, that's insane. You know, and I think that when we when we are completely disconnected like that, we're just there's a lot of people waiting to die. Mm-hmm. You know, that's my crazy idea. Yeah, but yeah. that that's a little bit better than everybody just mass attacking each other in the street for fucking food. Right. <laughs> yeah, because that's what I saw. Like, oh, we're all going to war with each other. It could. Yeah. I think it's going to be a little bit more quiet and calm. Hmm. I think it's going to be a little bit more like that. Some hush money. <laughs> yeah, some hush money. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. I don't know. They call it universal income. That's the term that they use. Universal income. income. That means all the people in the world that don't have jobs when this AI stuff hits is going to be taken care of. But what scares me is this. That's um, weird. <laughs> let's say I'm giving you money. Mm-hmm. And everything that you get comes from that money. And there is no job for you. Mm-hmm. Right? But I don't like what you're saying. Mm-hmm. I don't like what you're doing. Or maybe you don't support the government. Mm-hmm. Maybe I don't need to give you no money. Right. So then you're asked out. Then you got asked out cereal. <laughs> right. <laughs> then you got asked yeah. out cereal. <laughs> yeah. You know, and you're going to be just like me when I was that little kid. I was going to eat. Mm-hmm. You know, how that feels. Ooh, I'm going to eat. I'm going to eat. That's what I'm saying. There, you gotta, you gotta eat some way, and and then what happens? Might be taking it from the person that does have it. Shit. And you might be the criminal. <laughs> yeah, and then you'll be locked up. <laughs> now, does this surprise you? <laughs> All animals steal. I believe it. I've seen it. All animals steal. <laughs> they do. Yeah, if they have a chance to get some shit from another animal, mm-hmm. they will take it. Mm-hmm. We are no worse. We are no better. You know, Um, so here's the thing. Uh, We're in a we're in a culture right now that is a consumption culture that's based off of money. 
Mm. Right. Um, and we have this idea that, that the people that aren't eating right now are not eating because there isn't the resources to feed them. Mm-hmm. Right. That's kind of the idea, right? Mm-hmm. That we have so many hungry people in the world. Um, it's not. The reason why people are not eating is because they don't have the money to buy the food. Yeah. There is plenty of resources to feed people. There is. You know, um, but you've got neighborhoods like mine and yours, those red line neighborhoods that we just didn't have the same opportunity to get as other areas, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so everything comes down to money, right? Homelessness is a, a economic issue, mm-hmm. you know? Um, can we talk about drugs? Fuck yeah, we could talk about drugs. <laughs> I think that's the, another huge thing that, you know. Take me anywhere you want. <laughs> that's another thing, you know, another subject about like people being homeless or not having shit or, you know, like, you know, they're already in a fucked up situation. So they're just going to do drugs and, you know. Because it takes away the pain and uncomfortableness of, of poverty. Yeah. And then you just end up being on the streets because your family can't deal with you anymore and stuff like that. So yeah. Yeah. I think that it's a way out for people, Mm -hmm. you know, and here's the thing. Um, guess what? Poverty creates mental illness. Mm, I believe it. And if there isn't help for mental illness, because really we're a country that doesn't support a lot of help for mental illness, Mm -hmm. people self medicate. Mm -hmm. It's how a lot of people get into drugs or drinking. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, you're pretty stable. How did you escape that shit? I have no idea. <laughs> I really mm. don't know. I I mean, I've experimented, I guess, as a teenager, you know, a little ecstasy here, smoke weed, you know, drink. But I don't know. I think, to be honest, I don't know. Because I've been around a lot of people that did get into drugs and stuff, but it was never my thing. Like, it was... I didn't want to be like the person on the street that was on drugs and stuff. You know, like, I don't know. Maybe it was that. I have no idea. Mm. I would like to have seen you in college. I yeah. mean, a good school. I bet you would have, bet you would have been went. one of them cheerleader types. <laughs> if I had went to college, I bet probably. you had been one of them cheerleader <laughs> sorority girls. Maybe. Yeah. Oh yeah. I can yeah. see that shit. <laughs> yeah. I can see that shit. You like shiny things. I do. Yeah, yeah you do. Yeah, yeah you do. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. That's a good question. It's strange the, the the things that we have around us and the experiences that we become open to, like drugs, mm-hmm. right? Um, I got into drugs when I was young. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've gone back and forth a couple of times. You know, mm-hmm. I, I, I first quit at 19 um, and got big into church. Mm-hmm. Um, had my heart broke, <laughs> got back into all that shit, mm-hmm. and then quit again at 22 and stayed straight and narrow for about five years. Mm-hmm. And... Um, when I started to get back into to drugs and drinking and all that stuff, um, I was pretty normal, actually. Mm-hmm. I didn't burn the world down. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I was just like having a good time and, and stuff like that. But I was a, a person that struggled with alcohol more than anything. And it mm-hmm. changed who I was. Um, and I thought, because I had this newfound spirituality, mm-hmm. right, that I found through a lot of the things that I explored when I was in college and things like that. And I became a different person and I'd I'd say it was because of education. Um, But I kind of thought I'd be able to hold on to that. But when I drank, that person could not stay. Mm -hmm. 
because what alcohol did to me was got me to think about me and my needs and mm-hmm. my wants. And I became that monster again. Yeah. You know, yeah. um, I had my times of drinking when I was young and I was not a good drunk at all. So mm. I don't know if I matured a little early or whatever, but um, I used to drink and get in fights and blackout every time. So I kind of got tired of that. So I just didn't drink mm. as much. But yeah. Mm. Well, we probably should kind of wrap this thing up because I still have my dude that's going to be on, on the episode. And okay. usually um, the, the segment that Rob and I do is only about 10 to 20 minutes. And I think we've gone on a long goddamn time. What time is it? <laughs> you know, it is, uh, I don't even know what time we started to be honest with you. I don't either. I but, just don't want my alarm to go off. Any oh time. yeah. But I, I kind of feel like we've gone way <laughs> farther than we should have. Um, Anyways, uh, the one last thing I'll say is one in eight Americans are living in poverty today. One in eight? One in eight. Right. Mm -hmm. So uh, today, there's going to be slightly above 6,000 people that are evicted from their homes. 6,000. That's a lot. (laughs) Yeah. And when this AI stuff hits, kind of wondering how many more. So. Yeah. We might be in for an interesting ride. Uh, yeah. It's, it's already been kind of, you know. Drying the year, up out there. The years are getting weirder and weirder. Yeah. So the world is getting weirder and weirder. Um, and this is what I say. Yeah. Hold on to people. Yeah. Because that is one value we have is each other. Yeah. You know, and the relationships that we have. Yeah. Um, anyway, that's my two cents. I agree. All right, this is Truth to Power. This is my friend. Amelia. Miss Amelia. And Curious G. Well, that's our episode of Truth to Power. I am Curious G. Thank you for tuning in to How That Feels. We're going to do a little bit of a flashback as we take y'all out with some music. We'll see you next week when we return on this topic of poverty in the homes of America. Now, if in you caught my black hat axe, I bend that darkness behind that mask with a grudgeless long like Miss Johansson, that black widow chick with the perfect hands. Wait, what was I fucking saying? Worst foul slap ass off of that train of thoughts caught strong, then waxed and wane. Speak easy amongst these drops of pain and lose that mirror. Perfect frame, be flexible. Free to change, I feel each syllable that hits this strong Strike like lightning and split the rain Collage, mirage, bright like the sun I got that light that shines down, sun There's no shadow cast in lights I brung those philosophical thorns Stick stung I'm the poet that splits the night Poetic, inspired, brings the fight Won't mince words when it comes to right But lose them chained up views on life To see me true, we must share some light Let's get to it now, mine's come to bite us from the image of parts of us that break with love dark that others wish not to see to hear or preferred not to be silence comes to all of us 
I break my silence differently I get loud defiantly Begging someone to quiet me Silence.